It's good to see you. It's Labor Day. Uh, that uh, that's just such a silly holiday when you, all you do is play all weekend. You know what I'm saying? I cleaned out my garage on Friday. I felt like maybe that was more of a Labor Day weekend celebration thing. You know, I was a little sweaty, and I was like, "Hey, I did it! First Labor Day. I think at first this is the first time I celebrated." <laughs> Hey, uh, I want to let you know there's something special happening next week that you won't want to miss. Uh, it's our Connection Group's uh, basically sign-ups, and that's happening next Sunday. There'll be a table right in the center of the back, and you'll have a chance to just go back there. And you, if you have been thinking about finding a way to connect, if you've been thinking about, hey, I want to possibly join a group, uh, whether you're single, married, uh, whether you're looking for love again, uh, there's an opportunity here just to be a part of a community group. And I want you to know, this is something that, you know, we, we try our best to provide these opportunities every now and then. And this is a great time for you to have the conviction to go into the uncomfortable, all right, and take the step. Uh, so next week will be the start of those signups. So don't miss that. It'll be right after church next weekend. Also, our meals start up next week, all right? So for some of you, you're like, booyah, all right? I'm not signing up, but I'm eating, all right? That'll be starting Cool. Well, I have to tell you, we are, uh, we're going to repackage and kind of redesign and go with John for the month of September as a whole. Um, but rather than lose half the people that aren't in this room, all right, we are going to, you're going to get something special today. Sound good? I've been stuck on a passage in chapter 12 of Romans, and I, I just couldn't get out of my head. And so I've interacted and had a couple conversations, uh, let's just say through the years, that have interacted with this concept that I'm talking about today in such a real way that I, I just went, you know what, I'm just going to talk about it. I'm going to talk about it. So here's the passage in, in Romans, and, and, and it's in Romans 12, it's, it's 17 and 18, and, and this is all it says. This is Paul talking to the church in Rome. He says, uh, do not repay anyone evil for evil, but be careful to do what is right in everyone's eyes, which I'm always like, that's not possible. Right? That's not possible, but we'll get to that in a second. And then it goes to this awesome verse, which is the verse that I'm really stuck on, if I'm honest. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. As far as it depends on you. Whew. That, when I read that, that is terrifying. That is a terrifying verse. Because in my mind, I'm like, how far is that? You know what I'm saying? Like, how far is that? Where, where are the limits of this verse? Because sometimes my, my patience is short, and my anger is quick, or my laziness is on the tip. Where is that? And so what I want to try to talk about today is... This concept that doing right in everyone's eyes is not about doing right in every way. It's a specific way. And it's all leading to, it's all building in the book of Romans. He has laid out the entire gospel. He's getting to a place, this whole chapter is about reflecting what God has done in you and through the cross and then reflecting that out. He, he call, the heading is living sacrifice. It's literally like giving yourself completely to the world. Letting your, your life be an outpouring of what Jesus has done. And so this is right in the center of that section. And so this is specifically towards when things go wrong in your life. When things don't go right, when people hurt you, and when things happen that cause pain. 
And right when he says, do what's right in everyone's eyes, that's your response when that happens. Your response when you're hurt. When things don't go right. Even when they do it on purpose. That's what evil is. Hurt on purpose. And then there's this little phrase. Live at peace. Hold no grudges. Hold no ammo. Don't have a blackmail file ready. But live at peace. So you can see, this is a deep thing. This isn't like, I mean, we go all kinds of different ways, and there's some deep pain in here, and there's some evil that has happened to a lot of you in here. I don't want to smoosh that under the rug and pretend, but if I can keep it a little lighter, I believe the concept that we talk about today will get you by the end, but if I can keep it lighter, I want to start by just reminding you of this. This is a communication issue. It's a communication issue. As weird as this sounds, it is about understanding what's happening when you're hurt. It's about understanding what happens when someone hurts you. Do you see their value, or do you see their actions as devaluing you? Do you see what's really at work behind the scenes, or do you see the circumstances of the moment? Here's a cool thought, but it's also depressing. Poor communication is the leading cause for broken marriages, friendships, and churches. Did you know that? It's not sex in marriage. It's not finances. It's poor communication. I mean, I had a friendship breakup because someone said something that wasn't right, and you knew it, and then you called them on it, and you just could not get on the same page, and it just dissolved. 90% of those are text message because you read into it and assumed, and then it was all over. Put those emotions on it, and you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm an idiot. I did that. How about you ever seen a church have this happen? Something said from up front or behind the scenes, and it's poorly communicated, misunderstood, and it causes ripples, causes fractures, causes hurts. I felt it seen it happen. So today, to keep it light, we're just going to talk about communication. We're not going to handle everything. We're not going to get to all of it because I want you to hear the live at peace concept with this idea. We can't take care of everything today, but what if we could help our marriages? What if we could help our friendships? And what if we could help our church get through some of this? What if we just got better at this as a whole? Now, you might hear most of my communication today on the marriage frame. That's just where I'm at, all right? And you might hear me talk about parenting a lot, but this goes further than that because I tell you, every conversation I have with a five-year-old right now is a mirror back to yourself. I don't know if you've ever watched a five-year-old say the statements that you say every day, and you're like, that's terrifying. Like my five-year-old the other day goes, oh my gosh, just like that. And I was like, oh no, it's begun. (laughs) He did say, oh my gosh, but it was in Walmart. So, here we go. 
So we're just going to talk about listening and speaking today. Two simple things. You think they'd be easy, but it's going to take a little study. And I will tell you right now, if you have kingswaymo.com and you go to our notes, you may want to take a picture of it, screenshot it. You may want to take some notes because this is going to be bullet points. We're going to be walking through some stuff. This is applicable. This is not distant feeling stuff. This is right here in the moment. And if you're here with your spouse, this is not one of those sermons where you get to do this every two minutes. All right? Are you listening? Did you get that one? You do this, none of that. This is not supposed to be weaponized, all right? If you're here with a friend and they're across the room, I'm gonna call you out, you can point, all right? That's okay, because they're far enough away, they can't do anything about it, all right? But if you see them, you, right? You can stand up and do it. Well, we'll just get, get this out of the way. Clear communication, all right? Just kidding, don't do that. It's just to see if you're listening. And also, I hope there's some fractures in here in our church. This is an opportunity for some healing. Clear communication. Opportunity for maybe a conversation that needs to happen. Air to be cleared. Let's just talk about this listening and speaking idea. Listening. Let's talk about listening first. Listening. Boom. Maybe not. Listening is the first is the key, listening first is the key to speaking well. See, I didn't listen first. Listening first is the key to speaking well. This is the most misunderstood about talking. You, you ever realize when you start talking before you, you know what you're talking about? You ever not listen to the full statement before you started talking? Th this happens most to me when I watch Jeopardy. You, you know this? You, you're like, didn't read the question quite right, didn't hear it quite right, and your answer makes no sense. Because you didn't finish it. You're just spitting out things that you know, and it's not even close. It's a classical painter that you've never heard of. You're wrong. All right? But this is what happens. You ever have a conversation with somebody, and they're like, that's not what I was talking about at all. How about this idea? Being heard is a symptom of someone listening well. Being heard is actually a symptom of someone listening. You ever have somebody that re repeats your thoughts and your words back to you, and it just hits so solid? You're like, yes. Wow. You get me. Right? Maybe you're on a first date, and that happened. Nah, that didn't happen on a first date. No way. Maybe you've been married long enough that it's happened. Your spouse gets you. Maybe you have a friendship. That friend... They look at you, nah, that's not what's going on. This is it. And they're like, oh, man, you heard me. You heard me. You were listening. You know what's funny, though? Listening is probably one of the most challenging things to do, and we just don't talk about it very much. It really is. It's, it's incredibly challenging to listen well. I have four thoughts here with, with listening, and, and I want you to think about this and I know this is going to be challenging, but I want you to be critical of yourself. Because most of us have ears in this room. And we're tempted to think that just because we heard it, that we're listening. And I'll tell you right now, uh, I don't... I'm, yeah, you all know. I heard it. <laughs> I didn't listen. So if we're going to listen well, for good communication, we have to do first... We can't rush it. You, you can't rush listening. Especially, let's be honest here, if you're the talker in the relationship, 
If you got a friend that just loves to listen and you're the talker and then you just cut them off every time they start a story, or they say a story and all you're thinking about is the next story you're going to tell, so you're just like, yeah, 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 but, yeah, 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 also, yeah, 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 but listen here, you know, yeah, yeah, right? But also in the tension moments. This is something when there's tension in the room, we all have our own responses, we have a little bit of history, there's a little bit of tension, and you get in a conversation, and you just want it to be over. Just get it done, have it end, be, be, be done, and you're just, you're like, yeah, yes, yes, good, great, also, agree, ready, when can we finish? And what happens in those moments is we rush through the listening process. And I put a little warning here, you have to make space for silence and reflection. Most of us in this room are either exterior processors or interior processors. So we assume that the exterior processor, because they talk out loud about things and they talk through everything, they gotta process the problem and figure it out, that the exterior processor is actually thinking more than the person that's interiorly processing it, internally processing it, because they don't say anything. But the truth is, they just weren't given space or silence to think for a minute, to have a chance to process it. And we take their silence and the space and we fill our own words into it, <laughs> right? Oh, they must be angry. Oh, they must be mad. When really, they're just thinking. I'm just thinking. Let me think. Let me breathe. This is respect in the listening process. This is giving space to be okay to just be with the person. Now, if it's been 10 minutes, you know, you might not put a clock on it. But it's okay if you even need to say, let's talk about this later. If you know the person you're talking with needs some time to process. You can't listen if they're not talking, guys. You're assuming. Here's the next one. It's a good one. No defensive expressions. Oh, this is difficult, especially when there's tension. You ever have this happen? Someone starts telling you what they're feeling and what they're thinking, and you're listening, and the whole time, you're just like, oh, no, nah, that's not how it happened. That's not what happened. Or maybe you're good enough now, you're mature enough now that you don't say anything, but your body language, you're like, really? Oh, you Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you're not listening you're not listening listening li listening has nothing to do with you it has nothing to do with you you're listening to the person across from you it has to do with them you're trying to understand them their feelings Yes, you're right. It's going to affect you. Like, there, there is going to be things. But that's not the point of listening. You have to remove yourself in that moment. You have to get outside and listen to what is being said. And if you throw the conversation off and you have experienced this, someone starts pouring their heart out. They say the things. They're like, listen, every time you don't do the dishes, it literally makes me feel like I'm not valued in this house. They say, I do the dishes. I did the dishes a month ago. Last year I did the dishes three times. It's not listening. 
You never do the dishes, huh? Really? Really? Okay. That's how you feel. I hear you. Whatever. It's not listening. Because the next thing you have to do is you have to repeat the feelings, the exact feelings and the words that you're hearing from the person. You have to learn to do this, especially inside conflict. You have to learn to repeat them. Even if you don't repeat them out loud, you need to hear them. It's even better if you can get to a place, especially if there's some major conflict, where you can repeat back what you're hearing. It's really good for you as the listener, but it's especially good for the speaker because they can have a moment to hear their own words played back. Now, the, the important key to this is you can't add assumptions and exaggerations. So if someone, let's just say, someone said you were late, you, you, you don't go like this, so I'm always late. So you just think I'm late all the time. See how that works? You can't, you can't do that. That's not how it works. This is listening. So what you say is, ah, I was late, and that caused some hang-ups and some hurts with our schedule. Yes, it did. Different. Different. Learn to do this well, and it will serve you. Because then there might be clarification. What I'm hearing from you is you don't feel like you're worth anything because I was late. Speaker's going, no, no, that's not what I meant. That's what I said. What I mean is it was really hard that you were five minutes late. We were on a tight schedule. So what I heard you say is that five minutes really cost a lot. Yes. Okay. The last one. This is so difficult to do, but it's good when you listen well and you do this. Validation. Not agreeing, but affirming their feelings and their words. I know this sounds just like fluffy stuff, but I'm telling you this is how you listen well. Even Jesus did this all the time. Repeat people's words back to them. Speak them their feelings out. Let them hear them. But don't, don't make assumptions about it and don't even have to agree with it. But affirm it. You guys, not having enough time to get ready before I go on a date is just not a big deal to me. But if I don't allow my wife to get enough time to get ready on a date, it's a big deal to her. And if I validate my own feelings about being able to have 20 minutes to get ready for a date, I will never affirm hers. Because I don't need them. What are you talking about? You can get ready in five minutes. Girl, you're beautiful all the time. You're drop-dead gorgeous. You got no time in the morning. You're still gorgeous. Why do you need 20 minutes? I didn't listen. I didn't listen. So what I heard is you need 20 minutes so that you can feel fresh and ready and that you can prepare yourself for our date. I, I heard you. I am sorry. I will work better. I will work harder to make sure we have that time. I affirm that that would be difficult. Changes the whole conversation. Now, if you can do all of this, well, don't rush it. 
Don't get defensive. Don't put yourself in it yet. Just listen. Listen. Repeat back what you're hearing. It's good for you to hear it twice. And Validate it. Don't neutralize it. Validate it. Now, if this happens, then we get to the other part of the equation. We get to do some talking. I wanted to ha- put how to speak good, but I think you thought I would do it on purpose, but I, was, I wanted to do it. Just anyway. How to speak good. All right, here we go. We've listened. Now we're ready. First one. These are bullet points. I'm telling you, trying to give you application. This is one of the healthiest things that can come out of your mouth in a confrontation after you're listening or when you're upset. When you, I feel. Now, if you have a phone, which most of y'all have it in here, and you Google an emotion wheel, all right, it is one of the healthiest tools on the planet, especially if you struggle with emotions. If you have like four emotions that you can define in your vocabulary, you need to use an emotion wheel. It has over 100, it starts at one, and it branches out. You say, I'm angry, and then it's like, are you frustrated? Are you disappointed? Are you confused? Right? And then it even branches off of those. And by the, by the time you get to the end of the wheel, guess what? You, you got your feeling real good. And you can be clear about it. Right? When you talk to me that way, I feel rejected. I, I feel left out. I feel devalued. When you, I feel. When you, I feel. When you're in a confrontation, I'm telling you, this is one of the healthiest things you can just literally, you go, okay, I know we're angry right now. I know we're both raging. I know this is not going to go well. I'm going to use the framework that I set up when I had my mind five minutes ago. But now that I don't have my mind right, I'm just going to use what I had pre-decided as a tool. When I, or when you, I feel. Now be careful. Next one. Always avoid never and never use always. All right? Always avoid never and never use always. These are identity superlatives. That means this. You're not just late, you always late. You were late when you came out your womb, you've been late every day to school, you've been late every time you came home. That's just who you are, you were late. That's your middle name. It's different when you start using those words. You're always this way. You never this way. When you speak like that, you guys, you speak into someone's identity. Not an issue or a problem. You're speaking to their value, to who they are. That is not healthy communication. It's not. There's a difference between pointing out the truth. You lied and you're a liar. You always lie. You never tell the truth. If you want that to be the way that they're seen and they feel and they look, you can put that on them. But the last time I checked, that doesn't help anybody grow. That just pulls somebody down, even if it is true in that moment. They don't always have to be a liar.
<laughs> this is for me. This is literally mine. Do not overtalk. It's hard to listen well for long. This is so incredibly healthy for me. I got all the feelings, and they're like right here, all right? And sometimes they just bubble over, all right? And so I get in any kind of conflict, and I'm like, let me get my binder. And if I'm expecting whoever I am in a conflict with to remember how I feel and exactly what I'm going through and kind of have any kind of clear communication back with me, it's going to take them just as long as how long I talk to talk it back, and they're not talkers. Some of them just aren't talkers. So then I talk for 10 minutes, and they answer me back in two seconds. I'm never going to feel hurt. How are they going to sum that up? Are they over there just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, wait, slow down, slow down, slow down. Uh-huh. Gosh, it's just a lot. Uh-huh. But yet somehow, I get to throw up all of my feelings and feel like that's healthy communication. I'm not saying I don't get it out, but don't overtalk. Don't overtalk. It's not good communication. Last one. Give a solution or a desired outcome if possible. That is one of my most frustrating things is when you don't have any kind of way to solve the problem, you're just angry about it, right? There is a hole in the roof. I hate this leak. It is terrible. I don't know why we don't fix it. What do you want to do about it? I don't know. I just don't like it. I don't like the hole. I don't want to. After a while, you keep talking about the hole, and then they're just going, what are we going to do? I'm not a roofer. Are you a roofer? I don't know, but I hate the hole. And by the end of the conversation, it's just arguing about something that you don't like, but you have no real way to move forward. Now, sometimes I get it. You're just frustrated. Sometimes you're just angry. Sometimes the conflict is just too real. There's a difficult thing. I get it. But if possible, you got to move towards some sort of solution, some sort of desired outcome. Sometimes what I find is that when somebody's in a conflict and they're really angry, their literal desired outcome is that they know that they hate them, that they know that they're angry with them. That's their desired outcome. I'm like, that's terrible. I have a five-year-old. Can you imagine me getting mad at him and being like, listen, all I did was yell at you for five minutes so that you would know I'm mad. That kid's like, what <laughs> just happened? My dad's mad at me. No. By the end of it, I'm going, I got mad because such and such happened, and I need you to stop that. I need you to change this. I need you to tweak this differently. But yet somehow we just get in there and we get our feelings hurt. And we're like, until you know my feelings are hurt, I'm not going to stop. And you just dig, 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 dig. And then at the end, you're like, I don't know what I dug to. But I'm just here poking a bear, hoping I don't get eaten. I got no desired outcome. Other than just to let everybody know that I got my feelings hurt. I don't want to fix nothing. I just want to talk about how I got my feelings hurt. You want to make a point or you want to make a difference? So how do we fix all this stuff? I mean, good communication, I get it. You know, like, I want that. I want that for you. I want you to speak well. I want you to listen well. But really what I'm trying to drive to and why I had to lay this all out is, is this right here. I want you to learn how to apologize. This is one of the easiest but most difficult things that we learn young, but then we forget that we need to train on how to do it better when we get old. 
There's not a person in this room, myself included, that hasn't needed to apologize in a real way. But yet, I find that my muscle, this muscle has not been worked out very often in a healthy way. I kind of cheat the workout, cheapen it, get over it as quick as I can, run away from it. I don't like to sit with it. I don't like to think about how to do it well with the right form. I just want to get it done. And the problem is, this is the only way that problems and brokenness and hurts that what poor communication caused gets fixed is through healthy apologies, through good apologies. But yet we haven't thought about it enough. We haven't practiced it enough. We haven't done it enough. In fact, here's the thought. How well you listen will determine the quality of your apology. You ever thought about that before? You ever gotten to the end of being yelled at and figured out, what am I supposed to apologize for? There's like 10 things in there. Ever had that feeling? Like, gosh, I did a lot. (laughs) I'm in trouble. (laughs) But how well you listen will determine how well that apology comes off. You don't pay attention at the end. You're apologizing for things they didn't even know you did. Like, wait, you did what? I'm sorry. I was just saying sorry for everything I could think of. I just didn't know where to start. Started somewhere. A good simple rule of thumb when thinking about the do's and don'ts of apology. The don't looks like this. A poor apology will assume, rationalize, and minimize. That's what a poor apology will sound like. They'll go, oh, dang it. I was late. I'm sorry. Okay, the, the, the traffic and whatever, and it's not a big deal. Why are you making it such a big deal? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's a horrible apology. You do that enough times, it's just like chinking a stone bridge. It was strong, there was trust, things were good, and then you just come home and every day you're like, I don't care about your feelings, thoughts. I don't like it. I don't care. I'm not going to take the time to fix it. But if we can learn to do this, listen, affirm, and then apologize changes everything. If someone is upset and we take the time, value and honor them enough, love them enough to sit down and listen, to put their feelings, their world, their struggles of that day, the things that have caused pain and hurt that may have a little bit to do with you, may not be completely your fault. There could have been some brush over from work. There could have been brush over from three little kids at my house. There could be brush over from someone getting something wrong at the store, from the bill coming in, from someone being sick. And you listen well enough, you guys, you'll find that it it does have something to probably do with you. You probably did jack up a little bit. But if you listen well, you'll find out you're not the only part of the problem. There's other things going on most of the time. You might have been the third person that did that thing, and the other two never apologized, and you're taking the brunt for all three of them. You're the culmination of a wound that's never been healed. And if you listen well, you can affirm not only what you did, but you can affirm what others did and that that was wrong and that that was not okay, that you're sorry. You can't take 
And you can't apologize for something you didn't do. But if you don't listen well, you won't see what you did. You'll just brush it all off. You'll muddy the waters, and you'll just ride it off. You'll minimalize it by the end. But if you listen well, you'll affirm. One of my favorite thoughts on this is the concept in my, in my life uh, with my kids. Uh, my kids, and I know if some of you don't have kids, listen, this is, this is a microcosm of like every conversation I have with adults and my wife and with people that I don't know. It's just kids, they bring it to the surface so quick. It's so real. Bedtime is a war every, every day at our house. I, I don't know why they don't see it coming. It's eight. It's bedtime. But three boys in one room because that way they just control the chaos and the mess. That's what we do. They got bunk beds. They're in there. But every night someone comes out of that room and it is everything inside of me that Jesus has done in the full gospel to not just rip their head off sometimes. I'm just not going to lie. That is the, only the patience of the Spirit at times. And sometimes it even falls short and I need to ask for it again. But my middle child, who I love dearly, who ran up to me and hugged me this morning with a little bow tie on, right? he'll come out and he'll want every little thing that he's forgotten. And 99% of the time, it's something he doesn't need. And I can jump to conclusions, and I can use every excuse, and I can pretend like I'm justified to scream and yell, but then there's the one time he actually needs me. Then there's one time that there's actually something I forgot, like a little water bottle, or that he had peed the bed the night before and I had forgot to change his sheets, and he's laying on peed bed, and I'm screaming at him to get back to bed, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm the idiot. That's your father. It's so easy, you guys, to justify our actions when we feel like we don't have anything to apologize for because we haven't listened. You guys, it's so easy to pretend like it's someone else's problem and it's their thing they got to get straight now when we haven't even taken the time to listen. We haven't taken the time to sit down we haven't given space. We haven't given an opportunity to be heard, to removed ourselves from that and, and given them a real chance to share where they're at. And then affirm that. When my five or my six-year-old came out and he said, Dad, why are you yelling? I, I just needed a drink. You forgot my water bottle. I was yelling. I was upset. In that moment, I'm preparing for this message, by the way. Get caught red-handed. I'm always like, thank you. That was, that was nice. That was nice. I'd love to say that I got down on my knees and I pulled him in close and I said, your daddy's just a broken sinner. And he yelled. And he should have just got you water. But I didn't. I told him to go to bed and I brought his bottle and I didn't talk to him again. This little water bottle that has a seal on it that can't let anything out unless you suck on it. <laughs> the full weight of a grown elephant. But then in the morning, the next day we're sitting on the couch and his little heart's happy and it's innocent. And I thought, is that, is that the kind of dad I want to be? Is that the kind of man I want to be? 
is, is that who you want to be known as? The guy that can use the excuse of work or being tired? The excuse of power or platform? Excuse that no one else would know and what really difference does it make? The excuse that, that you could get away with it and it won't hurt and that it won't be uncomfortable and what, what does it really matter? But the truth is we are all as pliable as a child. We are still works in process. We are still learning the correct ways to do things. We're still having to learn to apologize because guess what? We are all needing to learn how to communicate clearer. It's clear that we don't know how sometimes. So I pull him aside. And it was the most awkward conversation you've ever had in your life. I'm not going to lie. He had no idea what I was talking about. He was half asleep. He didn't remember any of it. It was a frustrating thing. I'm like, you ruined my illustration. I was supposed to have a great illustration, be able to tell you the conversation, be able to laugh that I was a great dad. You know how it went? I went, dang. You know when I yelled at you last night for your water bottle? He was like, when? It's like, last night I got mad. And I yelled. And he was like, oh, when you got my water bottle? Uh, yeah, that's exactly how it happened in my head. I mean, I didn't get mad or angry or just tell you to go. Oh, my gosh, how's this going? This is breaking. I just pushed through, and I, and I just said, hey, your dad shouldn't yell at you like that, and I'm sorry. I didn't get your water bottle. Uh, I love you. You deserve better. I'll try harder. Okay? Okay, Dan. Walked away. But it, it dawned on me, the <laughs> struggle. It dawned on me that the depth of your apologies will be the depth of your intimacy. Your ability to risk the relationship, your comfort, your ability to take the time to give space, your ability to listen with a selfless heart, and to believe that someone else's value and their feelings and words could be validated through you. It is God's work in my heart and in your heart as, as much as it is in the person you're apologizing to. It is you choosing to allow God to grow and to be enough. Because truly, what is the gospel, you guys? But us apologizing to God over and over for what we have done and hearing not angry, non-listening, far away, but an affirming, loving, close, forgiving God. And what is the gospel but us going, God, I'm sorry, and hearing nothing but it's okay. It's okay. I want to read for you a section just a little earlier in Romans that I think would have been fun to know that this is what God is calling us to and what Paul is speaking into us knowing that later we're going to be caused to live at peace to live at peace it's the word of faith that welcomes God to, to go to work and set things right for us this is the core of our preaching our teaching Say the welcoming word of God. Jesus is my master. Embracing body and soul, God's work of doing in us what he did in raising Jesus from the grave. 
That is it. You're not doing anything. You're simply calling out to God, trusting in Him to do it for you. That's salvation. With your whole being, you embrace God, setting things right. Then you say it right out loud. God has set everything right between Him and me. What is the cross but an opportunity to see our sin fully displayed painfully, the full cost, and to recognize our need to say, I'm sorry, I messed up. And you guys, if we can't learn to get this right in our communication, we are misleading people to the full power that is the forgiveness and grace of the cross. We have to learn to steward this well to listen well, to speak well, and to apologize that brings the opportunity. You cannot control the outcome with an apology. You can't. I get that. But man alive, as far as it is by you, as far as it depends on you, it's your job to try and live at peace with everyone.